This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Week of On Point. We started things out the beginning of, of October discussing making a difference in your world. And the reason we're emphasizing the word your world is because you definitely have a world that I'm not a part of. And uh, it's the places you work. It's your blood family connections. It's your neighbors next door on your left and right at home or in your apartment. It's the kids you go to school with. It's the soccer team that you're a part of. You guys have a world that you're a part of that I'm not in. And God is calling you to make a difference in your world. So... That's the launch of the sermon series. And then, of course, last Sunday, we took it a little bit further. And we're playing off of this idea of having a bullseye and aiming at something. And last Sunday, we talked about aiming for eternity. Making sure that we're living here in this present world in such a way that we're doing everything here in this present world to give glory to the coming age uh, is what the scriptures call eternity, the next world. Well, today I want to go a little bit further. If you'll go to the Old Testament book of Psalm, Psalm uh, chapter 112, to the book of Psalms, chapter 112, and we're going to look at verse 5 and 6. And today I'm going to give you this subtopic, and that is live a life beyond yourself. Live a life beyond yourself. It's real easy to have everything focused on the here and now and on the me, the capital M, capital E, exclamation point, me. And what I want to show you in scripture is God's calling us, if we're going to be on point, man, I mean, if we're really going to make a difference, if we're going to leave a thumbprint, if we're going to make an impact, it's going to be because we live life beyond ourselves, Psalms chapter 112, verse 5. Good will come to him who is generous. Good will come to him that is generous and lends freely. I'm going to read that first part again and then pick it up. Good will come to him who conducts his affairs with justice. To the one that is generous, to the one that lends freely, to the one that conducts his business well, Good will come to him. And then there's two more statements that that I want to kind of talk about here. Surely he will never be shaken. Now, Now, that does not say there won't be shaking in life. You can't control the shaking in life. You can't control the economy. You can't control the weather. You can't control your kids. Can I get an amen? But you can control if you're shaken by the shaking. Someone said it this way. You're familiar with it. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you. So here it is in Scripture. He will never be shaken. So even in days that are shaking kind of days, days that are shaking, when when. When finances are shaking and kids are shaking and marriages are shaking and, 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 and current events are shaking and politics are shaking and the weather's shaking, you don't have to be shaken. There's a lifestyle that prevents 
being shaken by the shaking. Well, then this last statement's really where I'm picking up my sermon from. A righteous man will be remembered forever. Now, there's some of us that need a little Bible study on this, so let me give it to you. It doesn't say a perfect man. It says a righteous man. And the only way one becomes righteous, only one way that one becomes right with God, and that is through the righteousness through Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. So a believer, someone that is generous, a believer, someone that lends freely, a believer, someone that handles his business well, a believer, someone that doesn't get shaken when things are shaking, a believer a righteous man will be remembered forever. Now, I, I, I've told you the last few Sundays, and I've also committed to not get too bogged down in it, that really this sermon series kind of was birthed in, in the process of me developing my own father's eulogy. In that process, a lot of this stuff came to my heart and mind, and, and I couldn't get it all out in my dad's eulogy because there was a couple really long-winded preachers that spoke before me and, 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 and I was cut on my time, and I, I, I'm just having fun, but they really were long-winded. And I was limited, so I just thought, well, shoot, you took all my time. I'm just going to take a whole month and preach about it. So today, I want to talk about how a righteous man will be remembered forever. And it's not because he's perfect. It's not because he's, he's, he's um, uh, Jesus by any means, but it's the Jesus in him. Come on, somebody. It's the Jesus in him, and, and that's what we're going to look at today. And I want to circle back to last Sunday and spend a few more minutes on this, this word eternity. The sooner that you and I get comfortable with the topic of death, the better off we are. And, and I know what that did just there. That just took the air out of the room because most people come to church for life. Well, the only way to find true life is to understand that death in this life is not all there is to this life. Most people don't want to discuss the, the, evi- the, 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 the uh, eventual truth that this life is going to come to an end. There's a lot of dysfunction in families today. They, they, they avoid these things. They avoid love and they avoid death. I've got a friend of mine that's in his 60s. He's a retired pastor, and he just doesn't make any apologies about it. He tells me his dad told him he loved him one time, one time ever, and his dad's still alive. His dad's in his upper 80s, and this man tells me, my dad's only told me he loves me one time. That's why I'm uncomfortable, I'm awkward, I'm unfamiliar with, I don't know how to handle. Whenever you say, hey, I love you, I'm like, weird, don't, don't say that, I just don't understand that word. A lot of families avoid the word love. They avoid the affectionate side of, of, of ourselves. That's, a lot of men don't hug their boys. A lot of men don't hug their daughters. A lot of men don't hug their wives. And a lot of men are going to be lonely because of that. But then there's this other topic that a lot of people avoid. They, they don't know how to talk about it. They don't know how to handle it. It's uncomfortable. And that's death. And can I tell you this today and with, with the help of the Holy Spirit? The sooner you get comfortable with the fact of the matter is the wise man Solomon said there's a time to be born and a time to die. 
You're not going to escape this. There's no, you can't outsmart it. You can't, you, you don't have enough money to get around it. You don't have enough degrees to, to, to skirt it. Death is coming. And the sooner we get comfortable with the process of how it all happens, I believe the, 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 the better you're going to flow whenever it comes to your world. Because I can tell you right now, I never, I never saw my dad's death coming. It, it caught my mom and me and my sister out of the clear blue. But my mother was, was brought up as a strong believer. She's brought me and my sister up as strong believers. And while we grieve and while I miss my dad, I can tell you right now, we're a lot better off than a lot of people that have been through what we've been through. And it's only because of the song Denora just sang, A Living Hope. We have a hope that there's something greater than this life. Is this okay, everybody? So I want to pastor you a little bit today and let you hear from the Word of God, not just my opinion, that there's more to, there's more to life than just this life. Here's what the Scriptures say. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. This might be just one of the more profound statements of your day. Are you ready? He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in every human heart. What is that meaning? Every single one of us that have taken a breath of life, when we were born from our mother, created by God, but birthed through our mother and our father, when we were born and we took our first breath, eternity was set in our heart. It doesn't matter your faith background. I don't care if you're an atheist or an agnostic or, or if, you're, if you're Mormon, if you're Catholic, if you're Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Baptist. I don't care what your background is. If you're Lutheran, if you're breathing, something in you that was placed in you by God tells you that it's not going to last forever. Now, you may not agree with what you think is next, but you know it's not going to last forever. Because eternity has been set in your heart. Randy Alcorn's book, The Treasure Principle, if I can have that, that, that uh, graphic. He tells it this way, or he illustrates it this way. That, that the dot represents life on earth. The line represents life in heaven. Okay? The Bible would use these terms. The dot represents this present world. The line represents the coming age. This is all I show this to you for. you got to get it down into your heart or you're never going to be able to cope with the reality of eternity. And that is the, the line's a lot longer than the dot. The dot is just a moment. The line is infinite. It's eternity. That's why the little arrow's on there. It's ongoing. We've convinced ourselves that the dot's more important than the line. We've convinced ourselves that the dot brings greater reward than the line. We've convinced ourselves that the dot brings more joy and happiness, contentment, and fulfillment than the line. And the truth of the matter is the dot is just that. It's just a dot. It's a moment. Paul said it's like a vapor. Paul said it's like a vapor. It just Have you ever seen that? Walking down a downtown street in a little vapor. Or if you've ever seen hot water on a cold day and there's a little steam, there's a little, little vapor. It's gone, right? It's just, where'd that go? Is it gone? That's how life is. And the, and the sooner that we get it, the sooner that we realize 
there's more to this life than this life, the more we're going to maximize this life. Now let me give you a little, 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 little sound teaching. No matter your age, if you're in this room, you're made up of body, soul, and spirit. It's your body that will be passed away and placed into a coffin. And, and, and for those that, that, that again, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of recapping here. I know it's a difficult topic, but I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm trying to get you up. I'm trying to take, trying to take you up. It's your body that's going to be laid into a casket or cremated, whatever your family chooses. And, and upon your passing of your body, your flesh, so it is, your thoughts, emotions, and feelings. That's your soul, your soul as well. But your spirit will be on that line forever. And, and I, and I want to I stretch some of you because some of you wonder, now, now what about if it's not, not in heaven? Well, it's not real popular anymore for preachers to use the word hell, but I'm going to use it today. Let me tell you something. Eternity is either with God or separated from God. And, and just to clear up, because there's a lot of, especially with our millennial generation, there's a lot of younger adults that, that they're, they get frustrated with a preacher in a suit and tie that says somebody's going to hell. Well, it's not my wish. It's not God's wish. Hell is not a place God sends people he doesn't like. Want me to tell you what hell is? Hell is a place that people choose to pay for their own sin debt. That's all it is. Heaven is a place that somebody can go because they took God upon the offer that Jesus Christ paid their, their penalty of sin. Because every sin is going to be paid for. Heaven, you said, you know what, I really don't want to do that on my own, so I'm going to let Jesus do it. And I believe he really did it, and I believe he fulfilled it. That's heaven. Hell is a place that people say, you know what, I don't think that's real, and I don't think he did it. I think I'm good on my own. Well, that, that's, there we go. That's the great divide. Okay? So, what we have to understand is that when this dot's over, heaven starts, eternity starts, life with God starts. So if that's the case, we can't get too locked in comfortable in the here. 1 Timothy 6.19 says, lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the what? Coming age. So that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. Where is truly life? It's in the line. Where is truly life? In eternity. Now, yesterday we were out at Together 2018. By the way, your church was so well represented yesterday. Hats off to my friends, uh, Andrew Coonrod. Uh, yesterday there was 50-something thousand students worshiping Jesus. And all of the, all of the production uh, our team played a major role in that, and we're grateful for, for, for Andrew and, and Pastor Manny and them making, I was so proud as a pastor yesterday just seeing the excellence of the programming. But, but yesterday a gentleman from, from Oklahoma, a businessman, said, now, now you're part of the sponsorship? And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a pastor. Well, he said, oh, okay, so you, you, you're a shepherd of a flock. And it reminded me all again, you know, what, what it is I do. You know, a pastor, if you imagine a shepherd that has that, that staff, you take the bottom end of that sometimes. Every now and then you, you're required as a pastor. You kind of take it and you, you gently, you gently kind of prod and, and you kind of steer someone in a certain direction towards the word of God. You, you send them that direction to the truth of the word. 
And then there's other times you take the top side, that curved side, the handle, and you, and you use that curved side and you put it around them and you pull them back to the Word of God. A shepherd's constantly moving people from one pasture of grazing to another pasture of grazing. The reason is if you graze too long on one thing, you'll wear the nutrition out in that land. So you got to move them over here and let that grow back up and you graze a little bit. The last couple Sundays we've been grazing in the teaching of being an on point life in this world. I want us to graze a little bit today in a whole different pasture of thought. And that is what's actually going to happen when the dot's over and the line starts, what, what, what actually happens? Because my job is not to just get you to live on point here. My job is to get you on point there. So what's that going to look like? Well, I can tell you what it's going to look like. The Bible teaches us that when we get to, when, we, when our time's up, whether it be the, the catching away or the rapturing of the church or whether it be by death, this is what's going to happen. So any of you that are in school, I know, I know Madison's here and, 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 and there's some college kids here and some middle school kids here. All of us have been in school at some point. Did anybody hate taking tests? I was the worst at taking tests because I never could read my cheat papers that I made. It was always too dim in the room. So I was like, huh, what did I say there? I don't read my own writing. Tests always made me nervous. They made me nervous. And multiple choice tests were the worst. Because A, I was convinced right when I read A that that, 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 that makes sense. That looks right. And then I'd read B and I'd be so more confused because B looked better than A. And I'd read C and I could swear C, 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 C correct. C means correct. That's correct. And then I'd be like, but... Y'all getting tickled because y'all been there. And I'd be like, A's right, B's right, C's right. Oh, look at them. Look at that. Let's say D could be all of them. Well, I'd take 25 questions and all of them be D because everything looked right. <laughs> Heaven doesn't have a multiple choice test. But there's going to be two questions asked in heaven. And you don't get the joy of multiple choice. It's, it's going to be a response required. Let me help somebody in this room. The first, the first test or the first judgment, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a judgment. There's going to be a test. And it's a grace judgment, meaning, meaning you, you can't work for this one. You, you, there, the, the answer you give, is, is, it, it's because of God's grace that you can give it. And the question that is going to be asked in heaven is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? Because I, I, I've given you an answer for eternity, for eternal life. I've, I've, I've provided the answer. What did you do with the answer? How did you handle the answer that I've given you in Jesus Christ? Well, I, I went to church every Sunday. I, I don't need you to tell me that. Well, I, I, I gave a lot of money to the church. That's great. I'm sure they used it well, but that's not what I'm asking you. I, I knew the books of the Bible. Awesome. I, I, 
I noticed that you were pretty sharp with that. But what did you do with Jesus? Romans chapter 14 says, Why do you judge a brother and sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? We'll all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Hey, there's no sugarcoating it. Every single person before us, after us, if the Lord tarries, every single one of us on the globe today, whether you're in Australia at this moment, whether you're in Hawaii, whether you're in Midlothian, whether you're in Burleson or Borgard Parish, Louisiana, every single person will stand and be asked the question, what would you do with Jesus? Revelation chapter 20 tells us, I saw the great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. This is critical stuff. I know some of you are sleepy. You got chips and dip on the brain. You got, you got, some, you got some fried chicken in the, in the, in the, in the making today. But you can't sleep on this. you got to hear me this morning. John the Revelator said, And I saw the great white throne and the books were opened. What books were opened? The books of judgment against you. The books that recorded all of your doings in life. But, but, but I gave that money, right? You remember that mission Sunday? I gave that money. The books are opened. But the Bible goes on to say, And the books were opened. Another book was opened, which was the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. So, I've not been there yet. But this is the best I can give you. This is, this, is, this is what I pick up on. This is what I see in Scripture. And, and here's how it's going to go. And I'm going to get to heaven. And I'm going to be in line. And, and there's going to be some people I know. And there's going to be some people I don't know. And, and I'm just kind of stretching this a little bit here. But over the intercom, they're going to say, Thomas Howard Brandon Jr., it's your turn. And I'm going to be like, sorry, guys, i got to go. i got to go to the judgment. And I'm going to be called in, and they're going to open the books. Sir, it's your day. We're going to find out all that you've done, good and bad. What's your name? Tommy Brandon. Uh, that's Thomas. I go by Tommy. Uh, Thomas Howard Brandon, Jr., But because I handled Jesus well, they're going to say, You're, we, don't, we don't see you. That means you must be in this other. Hold on. Let's get that. Some, give me the other book. What book? The Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, well, here you are. Here you are. So 
Watch what happens. When you give your life to Jesus and your sins are forgiven and you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, your sins are washed away. They're as far as it is as the east is to the west. And you're no longer in the books. You're in the book. You're no longer in the books, the recorded wrongs. You're in the book that has the recorded right, which is the righteousness of Jesus. Your name has been erased in one, along with that science test I cheated on, along with that gum I stole, along with that really bad attitude I had towards my mom and dad, along with, and trust me, if I was still in the books, I would have my own book. But because of Jesus and because of a mother and a father that told me about Jesus and because of preachers that told me about Jesus and because of children's ministries that taught me as a child about Jesus, my answer when he says, what did you do with Jesus? I can say, I knew him. I knew him. I did not know about him. I knew him. You can't know enough about him. You got to know him. And when you know him. In the power of his resurrection as Paul says. You're removed from the books. And you get to, you get to celebrate that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. So I'm in this series on Wednesdays called Releasing the Power of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. Been an incredible teaching, five weeks, talking about the Holy Spirit. And in one of the lessons, I brought up the fact that, did you ever remember where the disciples, they cast out some demons. And they were so stoked, they were so pumped, they went to Jesus just excited. You're never going to believe it. We cast out some demons in your name. He said, easy. Y'all are getting excited over things in this world. All of heaven rejoices when your name's in the Lamb's book of life. See, we get all worked up about what we do in the dot. And we're failing to, re- to, to, to fully understand that what moves heaven is that when you can say that you knew Jesus as Lord and Savior and you got erased out of the books... Your wrongs have been erased and now you've been made right with God because of the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. I know it's early in the day, but I want you to clap your hands to Jesus and thank him. Thank him for the cross that's made the difference. Now, I told you there was going to be a second test. If you're fortunate enough to pass that test and that you've given your life to Jesus, then it's kind of like you get, it's almost like you get to go to the next, down a hall, and you get to hang a right, and then you hang a left, and, and then it's like you get to go to a whole new testing area. I was never smart enough to be in what they called tag. 
I, you know, T-A-G, I never was in T-A-G. I was in D-U-M-B. I was president. And that was an elected position. <laughs> I'm just glad I spelled it right just now. But it's almost like, hey, the Lamb's book of life represents all the smart ones. Because they took advantage of the gift of salvation. So what they do is they take them to another testing. And the church ought to get excited about this. Because the next question that you're going to hear in heaven. If you pass the test, what did you do with Jesus? You're going to be asked, what did you do with everything I gave you? Now, if you're theologically sound, and if you're just half awake in this room, you know what we just touched. We just touched the great theological debate between works and grace. Grace and works. And a lot of people don't know where to put them to different Topics, they don't realize what goes in what box at what time. Grace works. A lot of folks have been trying to live in works, trying to experience grace. A lot of folks live in grace and they never experience works. But the Bible says that you can't work your way to salvation. Let me, say, let me help you. You can't work your way into that, that book, the Lamb's book of life. Well, I'm a soloist. Good. You may not be saved, but you're a good singer. But I'm a tither. Great. But you may not be saved. But I bought the pews in that building. Boy, they've been comfy. It's time for some new chairs, so hopefully you'll help us buy those too. You can't work your way into salvation. But you're called on to work from your point of salvation. You don't work to it, you work from it. And Jesus is going to ask you, what did you do with all that I've given you? Like what? What did you do with the house I gave you? I blessed you with a nice home. What'd you do with it? I blessed you with children. What'd you do with your children? I blessed you with a marriage. What'd you do with your marriage? I blessed you with a job. What'd you do with your job? I blessed you with a, an inheritance. How'd you handle that inheritance? I blessed you with a career. I blessed you with an education. How'd you handle it? I blessed you with a church. How'd you handle it? I blessed you with a reputation. How'd you handle it? I blessed you with money. How'd you handle it? I blessed you with a job that has vacation and benefits. How'd you, how'd you handle the benefits? How'd you handle the, the vacation time? How did you handle everything I've given you? Man, why, why you on me, Lord? Why you on me? I just want to get to heaven. Yeah, I, I know, and, I, and I'm glad you're here. But I need to, I, I've got to fulfill my word. And my word was that I'm going to reward those let me share it with you. It's right here in Scripture. Matthew 7, 
I apologize, Matthew 16, sorry, Matthew 16. For the Son of Man is going to come into his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, this is called the Bema. This is the, this is the Bema, it's the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne, not the grace judgment, this is a works judgment. This is not a judgment to see if you're saved or not. This is a judgment to see what you did with your salvation. Did you receive your salvation and then remain a taker the rest of your life? Or did you receive your salvation and become a multiplier in God's kingdom? I'm preaching better than you're amen. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body. The dot. Guess what? The dot is this life. There's nothing you can do in this life to secure your eternity outside of faith in the grace of Jesus. But once that's established, once your eternal life is established, you have to kick it into gear to maximize this life. It's own point living. At the 830 service, man, I preached with everything within me. And typically our 830 service is, the, the typical demographic is, is, is older. There's always some young couples and there's always even some students. But they're very, they're very few. And one of our UTA students that has a great, uh, great career going in school and, and pretty much already has things lined up for a job afterwards, came straight to me, and, and such a beautiful young student here at Calvary, and she said, all of my college friends that were, that, that were all Christians, that everybody's talking right now. It's a big thing right now about, about serving other people and, and doing something for the kingdom of God. And, and I always kind of felt like, why are we doing all of this that we can't get any closer to God and I've seen it today, Pastor Tommy. And she gave me a big old hug. She said, it's, it's to increase our potential with other people to take them to heaven with us. you got to see this. Watch. Matthew's, uh, 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 Matthew 16, he will reward each person according to what he has done. Second Corinthians said, while in the body. So yes, this body. It's not going to go to heaven. But this body is how I operate in this present world. It's this hand that reaches into this pocket and reaches into this world's money to make a difference. So check it out. What did you do with what I gave you? And the answer needs to be. Not that I gave my tithe, not that I gave my talent, not that I gave my time. The answer is I gave my life. Why do I need to give my life? Because he gave his. And upon the understanding that Jesus Christ gave his life, the only thing he asked in return is will you give him his? And John Bynell said, and I quoted last week, 
If one would give himself fully to God, all other giving is easy. It's the, it's the challenge of, I don't know if I want to give my time to that church. Have you really given yourself to God? Those churches are always after money. Have you given yourself to God? Because when you fully have given yourself to God, it's the last thing you think about. Is, is what, how small amount of investment do I have to make to keep my reputation? When you really give yourself to God, all other giving is easy. And the Lord's going to ask the question, what would you do with what I gave you? And the answer is, I gave my life. And the Bible instructs us upon that answer. God will begin to reward you and bless you with his gifts. If eternity is without question around the corner for some of us, I pray that we'll all live another hundred years, but more than likely it's not going to happen. We don't know when the rapture will take place, we just know it will. But needless to say, whether it be by death or the calling away of the church, at some point you and I are going to find ourselves there. And I want us to live now beyond ourselves to where when that day comes, we'll be like the text that will be righteous men and righteous women that are remembered forever. How many of you would receive that blessing on your life that you're remembered forever? Well, let me tell you how. Before I dismiss you today, there's just a few things that you need to be intentional about. Jeff, if you'll come help me close. There's just a few things that if you'll be intentional about these things... It'll make a huge difference in your world. The first of which is being intentional about sharing Jesus with other people. What do we do after we eat a meal in a restaurant that just, it was just incredible. What do we do? We insta, man, we taking pictures of that broccoli. And what do we say? Y'all better get over here and try this broccoli. We, we, we'll even pick up a phone and call somebody. What are y'all doing? Man, we, we just at the house. Get dressed. Why? Are we going to eat some broccoli? It's the best broccoli I've ever eaten in my life. What do we do if we like a movie? Have y'all not seen it? You know, you know this crazy movie. Uh, this, this, what was the movie? Uh, this is me. Was that the name of it? No. That was the song. What was it? The Greatest Showman. My wife watched that movie seven times. I watched it once and I, I'm like, man, you got to be kidding me. We're going to watch it again. We watched it the second time. I'm like, you, you, you're kidding. We out, we out $30 and you're going to see it again. We're real quick to send people to a movie. We're real quick to send people to, to a restaurant. When's the last time that you got so excited about Jesus? Like you have a restaurant or a movie. Want me to tell you the litmus test for that? When's the last time you sat in church with someone you brought that was completely unchurched? Well, my cousin came last. Your cousin goes to church two miles from here. 
Well, my brother-in-law came in town. Yeah, he came in town. When's the last time that you had a family sitting right next to you because you knew their names are in the books? Not the Lamb's Book of Life, but the books. And because of your full understanding that Jesus and only Jesus saves, you'd rather them miss out on the restaurant and the movie. You'd rather them go to heaven. I pray that the Holy Ghost convicts you right now like it's been convicting me. May it just settle on you right now, like a almost like a like a like a jacket or a blanket just covering you right now where you sense the heaviness of my heart this morning if you want to live beyond yourself yeah you're saved and yes you're doing something good with your life but can I tell you that he he beckoned us to go into the country to go into the highways and the byways he beckoned us to go that his house may be full I had someone tell me the other day Boy, I got all hot. I'm telling you, this preacher, I got so bent out of shape. Somebody had the audacity to tell me, sitting over breakfast. Wanted to have breakfast to tell me. Well, you know, I'm not real sure if we're going to be able to stay at the church. Because it's getting, we don't know people anymore. It's got too many people in it now. You know, and you know, we just don't know anybody anymore. And I said, that's a problem. Well, you know, it's just different because we don't know anybody. Are, are you in a small group? No. I'm not small group. <laughs> small group. That's for the new people. Yeah, you're, you're actually in a small group. It's just you. Real small group. Because you think it's all about. If we really believe that Jesus is the answer to salvation and we really believe that those without him as their Lord and Savior are lost, that this, that this wouldn't be empty. This, this, this wouldn't be empty. This, this wouldn't be empty. Not a good example. This wouldn't be empty. Dan and Candy wouldn't be by themselves. Rekha wouldn't be by herself. Art, you just wouldn't have your wife only. Trisha, you wouldn't be by yourself. Now, Pastor, man, why are you coming down on us? Because I'm trying to get you up. If you really believe it, every breakfast would be shaking every hand in the room. And it's not because we're running for office. It's because when we look into people's eyes, we see people that are going to face a line. They're going to face eternity because their dot will come to an end eventually. Let me help you with a second one. If we really understand that eternity is right around the corner, then we'll be a little bit more intentional about our giving. Next Sunday, you have the opportunity of making an impact greater than our history. I want you to pray this week 
what God are you calling us to do? I want you to be on point next Sunday. Make a, make a strong, make a strong statement next Sunday. And then finally, we've set this day aside, and I'm purposely going to be about four minutes early. We've set this day aside to have every opportunity that's serving in our church in the halls for you to get connected at our dream team fair. Because if you really thought that heaven's around the corner, he's going to say, what'd you do with the life I've given you? And you're going to say, I've served. I've poured back. I've given. I've prayed. I've witnessed. I've reached. You can't compartmentalize this. Well, I tithe. I don't evangelize. You, 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 can't, you can't do that. Well, I evangelize. I just don't give any money. You, you can't do that. You, you, you got to give your life to the one that gave you his. Stand with me today. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 2 Corinthians 9, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And it's through your generosity that will result in thanksgiving to God. I'm about to pray over you. Pray all week this week, would you? What is God going to call on you and your family to do next Sunday as we're going to take our sacrificed, sacrificial rather, offering to the Lord, may it be multiplied greatly. Let me pray over you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friends that are here. I thank you for the, the Holy Spirit's work, the convicting work, the, the arresting of our hearts and minds, the, 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 the little awkward feeling of, ooh, that little weird feeling of, I need to do something. I need to, I need to pray. I need to, I need to respond. I need to give. I need to go. I need to do something great for God. Holy Spirit, thank you. It just is proof that we're alive. It's proof that we're aware. Holy Spirit, begin to pull at our heart right now. Touch us in a way that will leave us changed forever. Let us know, God, that there's more to this life than just this life. And what we do today matters, not just here. It matters there. What we do now matters there. So let us, let us give it the best we have. I pray this in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Can we clap our hands to the Lord real quick today? Amen, everybody. I love you so much. Please stop by, get connected to a small group, get connected to a ministry.